Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. So go ahead, if you will, and pull out the notes in your bulletin. If you have the new Tithely app, you can take notes right on the app. If you open it up and go to Sermon Notes, you can, you can follow along. The same answers that are on the screen are going to be on your app. And by the way, if you have your smartphone handy, would you go ahead and share? Go to the Eastern Assembly God page and just share that page right now. Everybody, all of your friends need to hear this message I'm about to preach. And this is one way you can expose them to it, whether they tune in now or they listen to it later. Amen? So I am going to begin a series entitled for the next couple of weeks, What If? Can you imagine, church, if you were living in the days of Noah? I'm going the wrong way here. Hold on. Come on now. There we go. Imagine living in the days of Noah. Yeah, there were some things that were, that were noteworthy. You noticed a, a great rise in crime, crime and a decline in morals. See, see if you can catch some correlation here. There was an increase in idol worship and a great decrease in the worship of Jehovah, the true and living God. Yeah, there was this crazy guy building a boat down the road, and he said there was going to be a flood that destroyed all the earth. But two things. First of all, no one had ever seen rain before. And secondly, the media was declaring this guy crazy. And of course, we know the media is always right. It was fun entertainment to take your family and go down and watch Noah at work building this mammoth of a boat and even hear him preach. But it was all laughed up. They were living as if there was no tomorrow. And there was no tomorrow. And Jesus said these words about the days that we live in so that we could learn from the people who lived in Noah's day. Here's what Jesus said. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. Now, it's not that doing life was wrong. It's that they were doing life without any thought of what was coming their way. They they were so consumed with life They had no clue of what the God in heaven was up to. Are you listening? Look at the next verse. Confirms that. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now listen, I understand the world, those outside of the church, really don't have a clue of what is going on in today's world. I mean, they may know the news, but they don't understand the spiritual implications of the nearness of Jesus coming in light of what we're seeing, right? Because the Bible says that the natural man cannot understand supernatural things. How many of you know until you were born again, you didn't understand the things of God either, right? So, so I understand that the world is gonna be taken by surprise. But here is what I find surprising, perplexing, and even troubling, that there are many Christians who are living like the days of Noah with no thought of what's coming down the pike. Come on. 
Listen, if, you, if you've been around for any length of time as a Christian, whether it's been saved one year or 30 years, surely if you attend here, you've heard me say, if you watch any kind of Christian television, you've watched others say the signs of the times. Surely you've heard them talk about Israel becoming a nation, a crucial event unlocking the end times. Surely you've heard them talk about an increase in violence and a great decline in morals. You don't have to hear them talk about it. You can see it all around us. Surely you've heard them talk about Iran and China and Russia and the part they play in the end times and how all of them are currently poised to play their part. Am I right? Right. You know how crazy it is in our own culture? Say, how crazy is it, Pastor Ed? Listen, I give, I give many examples. This, this is just one. If you are a science professor in today's world, science professor at some uh, very, very nice school, we'll say, whatever, any kind of state college or, or, or private higher institution, and you know as a scientist that everybody who is born is either born a man or a woman, not only because of body parts, but because of hormones, and because every male that is born, every one of their chromosomes is stamped with one X, and if you're a female, you're stamped with two X. Now, now listen to this. There are approximately 37 trillion cells in your body, and each cell has 23 pairs of chromosomes. That means 46 per cell. So 37 trillion cells times 46 chromosomes means that there are 1.7 quadrillion witnesses in your body that you are either a male or a female. You know how big a quadrillion is? You don't and I don't because it's that big. All right, but listen. So if you're a scientist and you know that, you can't say that in your classroom because if a student complains, you will be fired. So we now live in a culture where politics trumps science. And they say, follow the science. I think there's a time to, but I think you need to be careful. So who do you listen to? Yeah, come on, somebody. I like that answer, all right? Psalm 119 says this. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. And can I just remind you today, if ever there was a time to look to God's word, for truth, it's at this hour. Come on, somebody. So you look around and you see things winding down. Paul said these words to Timothy. He said, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. And he lists numerous things, but this is the first. I just wanted to cover this first one. People will be lovers of themselves. In other words, the closer we get to the end, the more emphasis there will be on the individual and not as much on the community. In other words, it's all about me. Whereas in times gone by, you, you would determine how you live by based on community standards. Now it's my standard. Don't get in my way. In the Old Testament, it was said this way, all right? In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. How many of you are hearing a lot about wokeness in today, being, being woke? I ran across a really good definition of wokeness, um, even though I didn't write down the author of it, which I should have, but I just want you to follow along and read this with me. There are no fixed codes in wokeness. As a postmodern system, there is no broader right and wrong. 
The only mantra that matters is your own personal one. Said in simplest forms, and this, this goes in perfect alignment with what we read earlier. You do you. Life revolves not around the community and its principles, but around the expressive individual. So the signs are all around us that things are winding down. As it was in the days of Noah, what we gotta be aware of. Well, I'm just living my life, I'm busy. Yeah, I come to church when I can, but there's softball and there's karate and I'm going about my business. Not that you shouldn't go about your business, but friend, if that's all you're doing and you're not looking up with expectancy that at any moment those clouds could open and our Lord should return, because meanwhile, while this earth is becoming chaotic, there's something happening up in heaven. Listen to me. Angels are setting the table. Come on, somebody. The plates are being set. The, the, the silverware is being laid. The place is being prepared for the bridegroom, who is Jesus, to welcome his bride. And for the very purpose heaven was created is about to be fulfilled in the day that Jesus returns and calls his bride home. Come on, somebody. Listen, listen, listen to my heart today. I, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to be an escapist. I'm not asking you to go buy a cabin on the top of the hill and you know sit in your chair every day and look for Jesus to come. Yeah, you have a life to live, but if you understand the signs of the times, it's not time to get so entrenched that when that trumpet sounds, you don't want to let go. Boy, it got quiet in here. Come on, are you listening? God help us to see it. Heaven, listen, listen, here it is. In, in heaven, Jesus is preparing for his bride, his body, his church. That's why Paul wrote in Colossians, he said this, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. When did you die? When you accepted Christ. You died in Christ, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Come on. Is it possible to live an earthly life with a heart that's in, embedded in heaven? You, you think you can do that? You, you, th you think you can live life with a heart? This ain't my home. Yeah, I got some things to do. I got some kids to raise. I got, I got things to do. But man, my heart's up there. Come on, I'm, I'm ultimately living for him. Come on, somebody. Help me out at 11 o'clock service this morning, would you? Listen, when John, when John was taken up into heaven, and given a revelation of who Jesus is and, and, and what heaven is like. This is what he wrote. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing water and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord Almighty reigns. Can somebody in the house shout Hallelujah this morning? He said, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory, for the wedding of the Lamb, who's the Lamb? Has come. Listen, this is you and me. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saint. Then the angel said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Then he added, these are the true words of God. Now, now listen, when, you, when, when, you're, when you're about to get married, okay, and, and you're, let's just say you're, you're two days from the wedding, and I'll, be, I'll play the part of the groom since I'm a man and I'm, I'm speaking to my bride-to-be. Hey, honey, two days. Woo! 
Can't wait to see you in your dress. And she says, dress? You, you, you didn't order your dress? Well, maybe you can borrow one. And, and I can't wait. That reception hall was so beautiful. You, you did reserve that reception, reception hall? Well, what does it say about somebody who's about to be married that shows neglect in the upcoming day? It shows they're not very excited about their bridegroom. Listen to me. If you're more excited about this messed up world than you are about the Jesus who's coming back to get you, come on, somebody. I, I, hope, I hope I can change your, your thought today. Amen? What does it say? Look. Write it down. A bride makes herself ready because she's excited to meet and be with her groom forever. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, now no artist can even begin to portray what that's going to look like. But it's sure kind of cool to say, Lord, I want to be there. And I want to watch you come through the door and greet us all. Amen. How, how many of you have ever read the Song of Solomon? Yes, it's a book in the Bible. Read the Song of Solomon. How many of you have ever blushed when you read the Song of Solomon? Yeah, it's a very honest love story. Now look, there, there are some difference of opinion about the characters in the Song of Solomon. Some think it's three characters, some think it's two. Let me, let me give you one possibility. If it's two characters, then it would be Solomon and the Shulamite maid, okay? And, th and this is how the story would go. Uh, the Bible talks about the Shulite maid as being dark from being suntanned, working. She worked in the vineyard of the king. Uh, not being very well liked by her brothers. But one day Solomon, dressed in his street clothes, if you will, was checking out his vineyard, which was a little ways from the palace, and he noted the Shulamite maid. Now, if you know anything about Solomon, he noted a lot of women. He had 700 wives, but that's for another day, all right? But he noted the Shulamite maid. And he had a little conversation going, and there's a little flicker of love there. But Solomon never told her who he really was. So they fall in love, and the day comes for Solomon to go get his bride. But on the day he goes and gets his bride, he's not wearing his street clothes, friend. He's coming as the king of Jerusalem, the greatest king in the world at that time, to get his lowly bride. Here's a little bit of what the Shulamite maid wrote uh, as that day was coming. He said, who is this coming up from the desert like a column of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and incense made from all the spices of his merchants? Look, it's Solomon's carriage, escorted by 60 warriors, the noblest of Israel, all of them wearing the sword, all experienced in battle, each with his sword to his side, prepared for the terrors of the night. Maybe she didn't even at this point even know who was in that carriage, that it was her love. King Solomon made him for himself the carriage. He made it of wood from Lebanon. Its posts he made of silver. Its base of gold. Its seat was upholstered with purple. Its interior lovingly inlaid by the daughters of Jerusalem. Little did she realize, guess what? She's going to be riding that carriage. Come out, you daughters of Zion. Look at the king wearing the crown. And the crown which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding. The day his heart rejoiced. Listen to me. When Jesus came to this world, he came as a lowly servant and fell in love with his bride to the point he was willing to die 
But when he's coming back, friend, he is not coming back as a lowly servant. He will break the sky riding the horse as the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And he is coming back for a particular people, those who are watching and praying and recognize that things are winding down. But friend, you're not going down with this world if you know him. You're going up to the greatest celebration this universe has ever known. Come on, somebody. He's coming for you. Write it down. The king is coming for you. Listen, as your pastor, I can't just always give nice little sermons empowering you, you know, five ways to live a better life, three ways to make it through your day. I mean, the Bible talks about daily living. Don't get me wrong. But friend, there's a bigger picture here. If I'm not getting you ready for that day, I'm failing my job. Can you say amen? Let me talk to somebody here this morning who might not be ready for that day. If, if Jesus were to come back today, you're not ready. You say, Pastor, how, how do you even know he's coming back? Well, let me tell you. The disciples were there when Jesus ascended into heaven. He rose up into heaven. And after he rose, they're kind of standing there, open mouths, like, what do we do now? When suddenly two angels appeared, and let me Let's ensue that conversation. After he said this, he was taken up from before their eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, two angels. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking under the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will, somebody say will, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Listen, if you are here this morning and you have never, ever surrendered your life to Jesus, you say, why should you do that? Because he's the only one that paid the price for your sins. He's the only one who can wash you clean. We talked about the, 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 the bride having white robes. Where, where do you get a white robe? We're not selling them after service today, friend. It's a gift that you received when you asked Jesus to come in. In essence, he took off the black robe that was stained because of sin. And out of his love for you, he will clothe you in a brand new white robe, which represents his righteousness. Come on, somebody, so that you're ready when he comes. He's gonna distinguish immediately those who are his and those who aren't his. And how many believe today would be a great day for somebody to open the door of their heart and say, Jesus, come in. I love this verse. For somebody here today, John 1, 12 and 13, it says this. But to all who believed him and, what's the next part? Yeah, accepted him, invite him in. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or pain, but a birth that comes from God. How many had a chance to watch Logan's testimony this week that was on the 700 Club, all right? Logan and Donna Lambert used to attend here. We, uh, a couple months ago, sent them down to help my son in the inner city. Uh, that's where their heart is. Logan, uh, even though he was raised as a young boy here in church, um, kind of went his own way, got involved in drug addiction for a long time. Jesus marvelously, marvelously saved him. The 700 Club uh, came up here. 700 Club was a Christian daily TV program to film his testimony. It was powerful. Maybe we'll show it at some time. But a reminder of Jesus' ability to take you, listen, from the guttermost to the uttermost. He can do it. Can you say amen? All right, so pastor, all right, make, make this practical. What, what does this mean? I, I mean, I'm living my life, but I'm not supposed to be overly attached. Let, let, me, let me just give you a couple simple points this morning to help you in light of where we're at. Okay, number one, 
in light of the day and age we're in, it is crucial that you keep your focus on Jesus. Think about the distractions even at this hour. COVID has become a huge distraction. I'm not saying it's not real, but some people are so afraid of COVID, they're immobilized, even believers. Come on, somebody. The vaccine has become a distraction. Come on. You got the vaccine, what's wrong with you? Don't you know the chip of the Antichrist is in there? Listen, the, the chip of the Antichrist is not in the vaccine. It, it, that's something very distinct. That's, that's for another day, all right? I mean, you can argue some things about why you shouldn't, but that's not one of them, all right? And then someone who gets it says, you're in danger and all your neighbors. What's wrong with you? Can, can, we, can we be careful that we're not making things that could be divisive, not divisive in the house of God? Come on, somebody. It's just really important. It's your personal decision. Decision. It's your personal decision, too, all right? All right? Would, would you do your due diligence and do, do what you feel is right before the Lord, but not make it divisive? Come on, some Politics have become a huge distraction. And Jesus says, Jesus says, in light of this, would you be careful that certain things don't get in your gut and become a distraction from what's really important? Come on. Number two. In light of the times that we live in. Oh, I forgot the verse. Here it is. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Could that be distractions? Yes. And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the rate marked out for us. Here it is. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good preaching. Come on, somebody. Amen. Number two. In light of the days we live in, please, worship like you have never worshiped before. You realize when we get to heaven, a fair amount of our time is gonna be spent around the throne, joining with the angels, singing and worshiping our king. Are you ready for that? Well, if you can't even lift a hand, come on somebody, you, if you can't even lift a hand, how can you say you're ready? If, if this is you during, listen, I know I'm going to step on your toes. That's all right. Um, if this is you during worship, you know, you, you, now you look, you've heard me say this before. I say this tongue in cheek. This is not really true, but it's just a thought provoker, all right? If you get to heaven and God says to you, you're not ready for around the throne, go down the hall to worship 101. Come on, I don't, I don't want that, all right? I want to get worship 101, 202, and 303 out of the way down here so I'm ready for up there, okay? Listen, listen to me. I have a whole series I did on worship a long time ago, but you're going to get the two-minute version. All right, here it is. The Bible not only tells us we need to worship, it tells us how to worship. In other words, God says, if you believe I'm God, then this is how I want you to worship. Okay? Think about what people say. Well, you know, worship should be my personal choice. That's woke worship. We want the real worship. <laughs> Come on, somebody. All right, we want the real worship, Okay? Let me give you just a couple of verses, all right? And, and, and listen, I'll, I'll just go to it. Write the answer in. We'll get to it. Here you go. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Now, does that sound optional or does that sound like that's what you're supposed to do? Okay, Let, lift up your hands. All right, we'll help. Huh. Just because you tell me to. No, no, it's not me. It's not, that's not, this is not my prescribed method of worship. This is what God says. This is his word. 
Lift up your hands. Come on, lift up your hands. Let's practice together, all right? Here we go. You, you can even wave them a little bit to get God's attention. Sorry, Lord, see me down here, all right? You, you can do it, all right? How about, how about this one? Take it to another level, all right? Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Come on. Listen. Listen. I was raised in a church where quiet was like the mode. Like the most exciting thing that happened in the church that I was raised in was a baby cried. And it's like, wow. We had a real excitement in church today, you know. Listen. Now, I know there's going to be silence in heaven for a half hour. John said that. But other than that, man, there is, there's, there's going to be the praise that is, uh, come on, somebody. Let's, let's get it right down here. Because the bottom line is, he's worthy. And when you worship, it gets your attention off yourself, and you declare who's really in charge. Lord, it's you. You're the king. You're my God. I'm serving you. I bless you. I praise you. And here, here is the reward of worshiping God his way. The reward of worshiping God his way is you get God. He comes. His presence. His touch. His encouragement. What you need is found in his presence. And how you get in his presence is you worship your way in by doing it his way. I don't believe in getting too excited in church. Yeah, you got excited yesterday when somebody cut you off. You're going to be shouting at Lamar Jackson in a couple of weeks here when he's throwing the, come on, somebody. I'm just trying to make a point. Amen? All right, turn to your neighbor and make sure you say, I'm all right. It's okay. Number three. Come on, winding it down. Number three. Take steps to keep growing. Peter gave us this advice. Peter said, but grow. Say, but grow. But grow. Listen. You did not have a lot to do with your salvation. Salvation was Jesus' work. You said yes, he did the rest. But growth is more on your part. Because you have to make decisions that put you in a place, whether it's reading your Bible, getting a class, doing things to help yourself grow. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Because the truth is, in this Christian walk, either you are more moving forward are you are drifting backwards. There is no neutral in your Christian growth. And if you ever tried neutral, you came to an awareness somewhere down the road that you had gone backwards. You hadn't stood still. It's just the truth. So knowing that, you gotta keep moving forward. Now you heard Pastor Kelsey make the announcement. I'm gonna remind you, we are restarting Sunday school on Sunday, September 12th. Sunday school is one of our primary discipleship modes by which we can get you in classes that will help you to grow. We've reduced those from 13 weeks down to eight weeks to make it a little bit more manageable. All right, and I just want to give to you on the screen here, the signups for all these classes are all out in the lobby. This is what we're going to be offering in September, how to hear the voice of God. You think we all need to know how to hear the voice of God? Pastor Kelsey will be helping you there. Uh, I know a lot of you ladies enjoy the fellowship and teaching in the women's class by Jenny Finnessy. Um, there's a marriage class. It's a video class called Lifelong Love that Joel and Lorraine will be overseeing. A great way to strengthen or prepare you for marriage. Contagious Christianity, sharing your faith with others. We all could do better at being equipped to, to share the good news with somebody else. And then for all of you who are newcomers, you sign up for the Next Steps class where we'll talk about the vision, how to connect and get involved here at Eastern Assembly. They're all out there. Sign up. Amen. All right, number four. And lastly, 
in light of Jesus coming. Listen, Jesus is not coming back for a lukewarm, stagnant church. Jesus said, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. He didn't say, sit in the lazy boy and don't look back. I'm coming over here. I'm going to plow my way over here. Put your hand to the plow. That means you're, you're, you're doing something, okay? When God saved you, he saved you with purpose. Peter said it this way. He said in 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he received to serve others. Serve others. All right, I'm going to speak to somebody that's listening in today and you've gotten comfortable uh, staying at home when you're lazy. How can you serve others if you're not someplace where there are others? You understand? Come on. All right. And, and I want to take a moment to thank Abigail and all of you who help with Vacation Bible School that you took this week to serve and be a blessing. Listen, listen, as of right now, we are planning to do Fall Festival in October, and we will need every person in here to help us that day. It is our biggest outreach. We've had as many as 5,000 people on our campus here. We'll keep an eye on COVID and those things, but as of right today, uh, we are planning on that. Amen? All right, let let, let me close. I think I have one more slide here. I'm not going to say a lot about it. We all serve by sharing the good news of Jesus. That's something we do outside of here we all need to be part of. Let me close with this story. Jesus told a parable of a, of a king that had prepared a banquet for his son. Now, we know in a parable that the players have spiritual connotations. So who, who is the king? Yeah, the king, father. Who is his son? Jesus, okay? And that banquet is the marriage supper of the lamb. It's upcoming. And they invited many to the banquet. And as they looked at the guest list of those who had replied... It was pretty slim. So the master of the banquet said, look, go invite, just just go out and invite everybody. We want the place to be full. So they went out to the byways, the highways, and I mean, they invited everybody, and a lot of people came. But on the banquet day, the master of ceremonies noticed that, that somebody had entered the banquet hall, and they were not dressed in wedding clothes. And what happened to that individual? They were asked to leave. Come on. How, how many of you know a lot of people are invited to the banquet? But how many of you know you got to be dressed to get there? Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool to just have a moment in the spiritual realm where we could just see each other dressed in the garment that Jesus gave us on the day we got saved? Wouldn't that be cool? That's a cool white robe. <laughs> you got a cool one on too. It looks like, whoa, that's cool. All right. And then, listen, and then Jesus said these words. This is sobering. Many are invited, but few are chosen. I I believe pretty much all of you, I'm gonna give the invitation, if you're not pretty much all of you, you are part of that few today. And I'm trying to encourage you, in light of the days we live in, keep your eyes on him. Don't get so upset by what's going on around us that you forget Jesus said it's going to happen. All that it means is the final silverware is being put on the plates and we're about ready to go. Keep your eyes on him. Come on, would you bow your heads, everybody in this place, in your hearts this morning, please. Come on, everybody in this place. 
And the reason I want you with your head bowed and eyes closed, I want you looking in your own heart. No, this doesn't pertain to anybody else but you. Hey, if Jesus comes today, are you ready? Do you know that you know that you've invited him in? And do you know that you know right now you're living for him? Maybe you're here and you, you've never done that. You've never opened the door of your heart and asked Jesus in. Or maybe you're here and at some point you've done that, but in all honesty, where you're at right now, you've gotten distracted. And you need to return. And the good news is, the Bible says God loves the backslider. He wants to run after you and welcome you home. But you've got to respond. And I'm looking for somebody here today that would say, Pastor, you're talking to me I am the one who needs to open the door of my heart, ask Jesus to come in, ask him to forgive me so that I can become his forgiven son or daughter. If that's you, I I want you just to raise up your hand just as a way of saying to God, God, you're, you're, you're talking to me. Thank you for that hand up in the balcony. Thank you, sir, for that hand. Whether it's for the first time, whether it's a return home, Today, I see numerous hands throughout this place. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I'm not gonna ask you to do this to embarrass you in any way, but would you give me the privilege of doing with you what I did with those kids right here on Friday night as they responded to the same appeal? Would you get out of your seat and just join me right here, right now, and give me the privilege of praying with you? Come on, if if one person comes, everybody else will come. Come on, if you raise your hand, whether, whether it's the first time whether you're returning today. Come on, if Jesus tugged you, just just respond. It's okay. It's a way of saying to God, God, I mean business. When Jesus said to Levi at the table, if you were up in the balcony, we're waiting for you. When Jesus said to Levi, he said, follow me. Levi had to get up from his table and do something to show. Come Come on, right over here, right over here if you would. Come on, a couple more from the balcony. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead you in a prayer as if you were me. Because some 41 years ago, at 18 years of age, I was the one who needed Jesus as my Savior. I want you to pray with me. And congregation, would you pray in, in support of them just right along with them right now? I want you to say, dear Jesus, I know that I have sinned and that I need a Savior. And I believe that you, Jesus, are Him. I believe you died for me. You rose again. So right now, I open the door of my heart. Come in, Jesus. I'm gonna pause right there because he's doing it. If you ask him, he's doing it right now. He's coming in. I'm telling you, he will not refuse that sincere prayer. Change me, Lord, and I'll follow you. Now I'm going to pray for you. You don't have to pray after me. Reach your hand this way, church. We pray for those, Lord, right right here, right now. God, would you give them the courage and the transforming power to live for you each day of their life. Thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now would everybody in here stand, please? Now listen, I'm going to invite you I want you to come this morning and I want you to tell Jesus 
that your eyes are on him. You don't want to get distracted. You want to follow him. Come on, somebody. I want you just to come. Come. Just, just if it's a couple steps this way, even if it's in the aisles. You're, you're saying, Jesus, I recognize the day and age we live in. I recognize that things are winding down, and you can count me in, God. I want to keep my eyes on you. I don't want to get distracted. I need your help. Come on, church, Whether you're in the, wherever you are. Wherever you are, this is your moment. It's a way of just moving and saying, God, with your help, with your help, God, I'm sticking with you, Jesus. My eyes are on you, Jesus. Oh, do it, Lord. And once you get here, just lift those hands. Help me, Lord. Help me, Jesus, to fix my eyes on Jesus. Not get distracted by the day and age we live in. It's simply a reminder of how close we are. Yeah, Lord, I got to go about my life, but I'm going about with a certain gaze, God, with a certain expectation that you're coming soon, God. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord.